Hey everybody, what's going on? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by h2kpaintball.com if you want to go to the website. Uh, there is a few different things up there. Uh, actually, just one thing, Tank Tool, but a few different options. You have the Pro Signature Series, which is my uh, CM Signature Series. We have those available, which come in a, a Galaxy Anodizing, a Splash with purple and gold, a Splash with teal and green. We have an Acid Wash with pink and purple, and an Acid Wash with green and black. We also have some custom engraved tools up there. Those are just the blank tools that uh, I can put name, number, logo, anything like that on the tank tool itself. And then uh, we have the just standard colored stock uh, tank tools. Those are actually low, low, low in stock. We have, I wanna say less than 10 of each at the moment. We're waiting on a big shipment to come in right now. So um, only a few of those left but uh, we do have a, a good amount of the signature series left. We have some, a few things in the mix. We're getting some soft goods uh, made right now, so keep an eye out for those. But uh, yeah, we appreciate all the business so far, guys. Thank you guys for uh, picking them up and letting us know that you enjoy them and that they're coming in handy. I've had so many people reach out and say that it's save them a tank or it's just save time in general. Uh, you know, getting to the airport and even if there's, there's been a few times where you get to the airport and, oh man, I forgot to, you know, you're in such a hurry to get, you know, away from the field and to the airport if you're trying to make a flight, whatever it is. And, uh, oh yeah, you got to release the air in your tank. Luckily with the tank tool, it'll not only help you do that, release the air in your tank, but it'll also help get that pesky rag that will not come off. It'll help release that for you. You just put that little little reg hole over the top on the on the fill nipple and boop comes right off. So make sure you check them out, h2kpaintball.com. We will have more in the mix coming soon. Yeah. Let's see. Um also let's see. Also we have uh we're talking to a few di- different manufacturers as well, trying to get some more uh, custom markers made so hoping to get those in everybody's hands here soon but uh, but yeah thank you everybody for tuning in so we have mr drew templeton with us and this one was fun i haven't talked to drew um in a, in a while i had him on the show a few years back i actually talked to him i think it was world cup in like 18 or so, but it was at the field. It was re- it was really cool. I love the atmosphere of doing a podcast live at the field, and people are walking by, and there's you can hear paintball going on in the background. So make sure you, tr- you check out that episode. Um, that's over at theplayingonpodcast.com, uh, or you can find it on any of the podcast platforms. But uh, all the episodes are up there. But uh, but that one was cool. It was one of the the few that I did at the field. But um, Drew who has played for infamous he's played for avalanche he's played for vicious he's made a name for himself but now he has also made a name for himself by throwing out a something that we've we've all encountered in the paintball world especially you know playing divisional and coming up through uh you know the ranks and everything you have gear that you 
play with and then you don't really need because you want to upgrade and you have to kind of find places to be able to sell that. And yeah, there's Facebook Marketplace and there's all these other, but there's so many restrictions and there's so many hoops that you have to jump through. Luckily, Paintball Vault, you can find it on the App Store. Um, for the iTunes App Store, you can find it on the Google Play Store. This is paintball only. Paintball only. It's gear from high-end stuff that you've been looking for, also to used packs, pads, all kinds of stuff. But um, what's nice is if you ever use like a Macari app or anything like that, so it's it's very secure as far as payment goes, um, as far as legit legitimacy goes. Uh, you know, people are held responsible for. You know, if they get paid, they have to send something. If they don't send something, you get your money back. There's a he. He was very, very uh, upfront about wanting to make sure that this is something a, a platform that you can trust. And Drew has really made something that uh, that's easy to use. That the also on top of that, you can do um, you can finance and make payments. So it's such a great platform that we've really been needing. I feel for something that is just solely paintball. Uh, back and forth with uh, merchandise, use merchandise. I mean, there's new stuff up there too, but it's just just a marketplace for that, and not having forums or I mean, everything has its place. But this is such, this is so convenient because you can throw everything up there, and there's just it's a lot less hassle, which makes it way more enticing to use. I feel so. Yeah, make sure you check it out. Paintball Vault. Like I said, right now it's just an app, but he is going to be putting out there on a uh, on a URL for a website so you will be able to access it that way right now it is just an app but uh, but it's great and we talk about it we talk about um, you know old school stuff we talk about current paintball we talk about kind of everything in between it was a really great conversation and I really enjoyed having him on so uh, I'm sure you guys are gonna enjoy it but anyway here is the podcast with Drew Templeton I love it though, man. It's I've been debating more and more on moving somewhere a little bit more south just because it seems not because of global warming or anything like that. It just like the older you get, it seems like the longer the winter season lasts and it's just gets more and more annoying. I think the older I get and like the second it turns warm, it's like instant happiness for everybody in town you know what i mean it's like so it's like why don't we do this all the time everybody's like i'm not depressed anymore i'm right this is what happiness feels like yeah yeah, yeah we just let like our daughter just go it's like yeah go outside go play until it's time for bed it's like and she yeah. loves it so it's like all that just one of many benefits right well and you know kids have so much energy and you're like they they don't get nearly enough of it when they're inside, just doing whatever you can do inside. I mean, it's like you try and keep up with them, but unless they're just outside playing, running around, it seems like they get a good night's sleep. They, you know, are go to sleep earlier. Yeah. So all it's been above. beautiful here for the past, like all week, really. It's been awesome. Oh, really? Oh yeah. That's nice. So I'm, I think it's going to get a little cooler next week, but it's not supposed to rain or anything. I think the official winter is like over hopefully. So. Yeah. I'm always like that little fake out week, but I think it's it's middle of April, so I think we're good. Yeah, that's definitely how it's uh, how it's kind of felt this week too. Earlier in the week, it was like creeping up, and in the last few days, I'm like, yeah, this is I can get used to this all year round. Yeah, um, here you go. Let me 
You sound and look great. Woo. So you do vid- you do a video of this or do you just do the sound? I'm, I'm you know what? I haven't done a video in a long time and I might yeah. just reactivate my YouTube and put this up there because it's been so long. There you go. I mean I feel like it's not a bad call because it's just like another set of another place where people can see it, you know what I mean? So um yeah. I kinda yeah, like true. watching them on video because they'll like listen to a podcast and I'll hear them talking about something that they're like showing in the video. I'm like, guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's been multiple times where I'm like listening and I'd have to stop what I'm doing and be like, okay, well, I have to interact more. Well, and I think also on top of that, like when you're, even when they're not showing something, just seeing, I think there's something very primal and human-esque, if that's a word, about like just seeing the way somebody says something, how they talk, their facial expressions, and yep. it, it's a very um, personal interaction, I feel, and I I think that's what uh, I think that's what really does it for me, and I think that's why I like doing, you know, doing it on here via Skype. I, I obviously I would love to do it in person, which we've done before uh, at yeah. World Cup a while ago, which was great. Um, but doing it in person is so much better because the vibe is different. But I don't know how people can do these like over the phone or just voice. Like I have to look and see you yeah. as I'm talking to you, right? the only way I hear you. That's good though. How's how else things been going on this front? You've been doing uh, a lot of episodes lately, or not like really? I've, it's I don't know. I, I and it's weird though too because you would think with me starting to play professional again, and then with H two K kind of kicking off, that that would kind of kick this into another gear and wanting to do this because yeah, I could promote H two K. I can you know talk about my experience, and if for some reason it was like it was almost overwhelming in a sense where it's like, okay, well now I feel like I have to focus on H2K a little bit more. I got to get serious about, you know, dedication and, and playing. Of course my lab puppy just gets out the noisiest, biggest bone and drops it on the hardwood floor. Uh, but it, it kind of seesawed and like the, the podcast had dipped at that point, like my motivation to do it, not because I didn't want to, but it was just, it wasn't, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, I guess. But when I have a re, a good reason to, which is talking to a, a great guy like yourself, you know, I, I would love to jump back on. I, I, I need to get back on and do it again because just, you know, I need that this side of it again because I'm not playing with level anymore. Uh, I'm still doing H2K, um, but I just need to, I need to get back in the routine and uh, I would love to help push your fancy new thing you have going, which you kind of like crept in with it. I remember hearing about it and then going, what the hell is that? And then as soon as I I looked and I saw what it was, I'm like, this is what, where has this been? Right. Yeah. I've been, that's, that's good to hear. Did you play the first event with level or no, you didn't play this year. So I was there, but uh, I didn't play, but I played two points. I played one. I got shot in the back, and then I <laughs> by my own guy. And then the second point was like a twelve-second point at the end of the game of the last match of the tournament for us. Yeah. Um, but because the reason that that happened was because um, my son's birthday fell on the practice weekend, and then yeah. which was going to be Sunday. But um, Saturday, I was going to fly down to Florida to practice with the guys for at least a day on the field to get that uh, going. And 
I Detroit area decided to have an ice and snowstorm that day. So all the flights were like, nope, not happening. I got delayed actually a couple times uh, as I was on my way to the airport. And then I got maybe about halfway to the airport and I got a notification saying that they, they grounded the flight and canceled it and everything. So yeah. I'm like calling and calling and calling, see if I can find something like early in the morning and just nothing. So what I ended up doing was going down to level and practicing with our semi-pro team and just practicing, yeah. you know, getting some spins still on the field. Um but, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the guys who were at practice and I, and I can't make Thursday practices because I just can't take two days off of work for each event. Uh, cause yeah. I just don't have the time. I gotta, I gotta take some time to uh, spend with the family for vacation. But so two days is a no go. So Thursdays is a no go. Um, so I only got one day on the field and it wasn't even with the team. Uh, they looked at it as, you know, not being prepared enough. So I, yeah. you know. It is what it is, kind of a thing. So I just—you're not going to play the rest of them with them, though. No, I, I, I feel like I would be cheating them, and then also cheating myself if I were to say that I could dedicate every single weekend that they need for me to right. be out there. Um, and I just—I don't want to dedicate that time and then possibly miss a day or a weekend and not know really whether or not I'm going to play and still go to the event, you know what I mean? And that's four days or, you know, gone. And it's like, well, I could have just stayed at home or right. whatever with the family. But, but, you know, but I don't also don't want to do that to them and think that they're getting somebody that is going to dedicate as much time as needed, yeah. which I wish I could. But, you know, I, it was just, um, so I'm just going to play semi-pro and uh, just play a, a bunch of points, hopefully. And with just, uh, yeah. With well, the level team? No, with uh, newbies. Oh, okay. Isn't that uh, Team LJ's on? Or was on? Was, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Quinn, uh, Nadu. Oh, it's okay. I didn't yeah. know it's his team. It's yep, cool. and uh, there's a bunch of guys. I, it's, I've heard only good things about him, and he's been bugging me nonstop. He's like, dude, just come play with us. Come play with us, because I didn't know, really know what I was going to do. And then he convinced me that's a good idea to put a crow on yeah, my chest. Yeah, he's actually the one that like put him in. He's like, have you talked to Carl about doing a podcast? I was like, well, not in a while. Uh, but he was the one that actually mentioned it, because I've been talking to him. He's been helping me. A little bit with paintball ball stuff here and there so because i've never really i've talked to him before like i knew him and we said hey and stuff but i've never really mm. you know talked with him a lot so he's a nice guy dude he has so much going on like i don't i don't know how he does it because he is um you know talking to you and saying that he's helping you out and then well i mean you are talking back and forth but then he's like talking with the dynasty guys he does his own thing he, and then he tells me like these four other projects he has going on I'm like, how do you, where do you, and then he has his own business that he runs, yeah. two of them, I think, or whatever, and it's just like, and then he helps me out with H2K on top of that, so he's just. Yeah, he says his businesses are doing so well that he just, like, has time to do all these other things, and he just does them for free because he loves it, and he's just like, yeah. Yeah, dude, oh, it's cool. crazy how well the mail escort service business is, and, you know, he, <laughs> he's doing good for himself. <laughs> He only had a couple negative reviews, but I think they were fake, and it's, yep. it's good. Yeah, I put those on there, so it's okay. Um, dude, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Paintball Vault. Let's do it. Let's get into Are it. Are we uh, we recording? <laughs> yeah, dude, we've been recording since yesterday. It's crazy. We've been recording all of our conversations and text messages. So I love it. We're love up it. to date. So where did, where did the the premise come from, and why 
why now? Why not earlier? Why not later? What's the uh, what's the scoop? I mean, I think uh, just inside of my own head about it, right? Um, I think so. I I outside of paintball, I worked for a marketplace um, that does this pretty much the same thing, but just for a different industry, right? So I started working there in like twenty uh, fourteen or fifteen, I think. Um, and at the time, I was like, man. I have such a passion for paintball. I want to build a paintball tech product, but I know what I don't know enough to know that I'm not like quite there from a business acumen standpoint or from a tech standpoint. There's just a lot of things I wanted to learn, right? So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I kind of started there with this mindset of like, I want to figure all this stuff out so I can do it for something else, right? So um, a couple of years went by and then I got kind of brainwashed into thinking that uh, maybe paintball doesn't have the the market size of something that would be like a business that you could go into, right? There's a business to be made of like making products, right? Like if you right. were, you know, dope at, you know, you know, had all the con connections with machining and you knew all the, you know, the engineering side of making products, you could make a gun or a loader, or whatever you name it. Like there's plenty of money to be made there, but for what I was going after, I was like, ah, maybe there's, maybe it's not really a viable option. So that was sort of my attitude for a few years. And then yeah. as time went by, I'm like, you know what, like paintball is industry still like plenty big. Like there's plenty of, uh, you know, input into this industry, whether, you know what I mean? So there's plenty of people playing. It's not like, I'm not, it's not that it's the biggest, you know, sport in the world or the biggest industry in the world, nothing like that it doesn't really matter. Right. So at the end of the day, it's kind of concluded. It's like, well, I love paintball to death, and I really understand a lot better this whole marketplace component, building a tech product and like making it, a, you know, a success. And I was like, I just want to translate this into paintball because I love paintball so much. I'm working, you know, all the things, my entire playing stint or career, it's like I just did it for the passion of doing it, right? I never mm. really chased anything that was like vain through throughout my career, which like, it's like I really like proved to myself that I did it because I loved it. You know what I mean? So the fact that I had this like, you know, this possibility to go, you know, create something like no one's going to be like, hey, Drew, do you want to help me make this? It's like sometimes you have to just like take it by the horns and go do it because that's what you want to that's what you want your future to be. You know what I mean? So yeah. after all things said and done, right, it's like, you know, I left that job during COVID. Um did other things and like consulted for other companies that were actually marketplaces. So I got even more exposure to this different industries. Um, and all, after all that, I think that's when I'm like, man, I'm just going to, I'm finally just going to do this for paintball. It's like, it's, there's a necessity one. So, I mean, I've been buy, sell trading paintball stuff since forever. Like literally since you since had paintball gear. <laughs> since, yeah. Since ever. So, and it's like, that is, and that's the beginning of even doing it on the internet period. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the, seeing the evolution of what it's become and, you know, I remember, you know, being really heavily involved and having like, you know, shipping stuff out all the time and flipping stuff or selling stuff for the team. I remember like we're on Avalanche. I'm like selling stuff for like Ed for our team, like all this stuff. Right. So I've seen this progression of like, you know, selling stuff online and it's like a, it's a broken process. It really is. It's like, mm -hmm. sometimes it's really easy and someone just, you know, hits you up out of the blue is like, Hey, do you want to sell that? And you're like, sure. And they just PayPal you right away. And then since you're, you know, an honest person, you just send it and you're done. It's like, okay, that was easy. But mm. there's other times where a lot of the times where it's not easy. It's like you post something for sale and 
you don't get replies or you get a bunch of questions that are kind of a, a waste, right? And can it's you like, hold that for you know, me? Hey, can you can, can you can you hold what? it for me for like a uh, for like till tomorrow? Can you can you hang on? Yeah, to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hey, I get paid. I get paid on in twenty twenty five. If you you still have it, we sell it to me. You're like, yeah, sh I mean, sure. If I, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, so and it's like, I love the question. Like, PM me your lowest price. Like, what if you went to the car dealership and you're like, what's the absolute cheapest you sell this thing for? You go to like a, any negotiation for anything ever, and you're like, what's the absolute lowest you will sell this for? It's like it's a negotiation. You like throw out a number, and they say yes mm -hmm. or no, and you go back and forth, back and forth. But anyway, um, so, you know, I just. It, it, what what else was hard is like is uh you know people do have these established like facebook groups that of all the things that i'm like in hobby like that i do for a hobby right if like outside of paintball right there's i haven't really seen a community like the paintball community where it's like they have all these big facebook groups for individual product types you know what i mean you go to the mm -hmm. hormesis owner group things huge all these people flexing their collection of stuff you've got the same thing for and I belong to like all of them, right? Because at the time, it's like that's where you go if you want to talk to angel dudes and matrix dudes and you want to sell Planet Eclipse gear and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it just was so segmented. It's like, you know, you got to go to all these places and keep track of all this stuff. It's like, why can't there just be one spot? And then I found, you know, I would get lucky, you know, buying stuff. I would, I was constantly scour like eBay, Craigslist, like Craigslist in Chicago is a, a sweet spot because people just post like paintball gun. And they don't even know what it is. And you'll sign. I mean, I actually got an SFL autococker that way one time because the guy was like, paintball gun. You look at the picture and you're like, where do you live? <laughs> I'm getting that thing right now. Uh, so you've got all this segmentation of like where to go to find stuff. And sometimes you find diamonds in the rough on a Craigslist or an eBay. But for the most part, like the avid tournament players aren't selling stuff on there really they're selling stuff through the facebook groups and you've got that annoyance of dealing with that so mm -hmm. all signs just pointed to like this just needs to be made easier and you know bring back some of that you know like to me i thought the days of pb nation being in its heyday were like a good thing for paintball i think it like had it like had this sense of camaraderie with people that played because like everyone's on there they're talking about stuff and that's not quite the exact vision i want to have for paintball vault but it's uh you know, it's, it's to pretty foundation. Close. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, and, but, and to yeah. add to that too, it's like, you know, paintball vault to me was, is something that's like a, a no duh, you know, it, it was always like the more and more I think about it, I'm like, where, where has something like this been? Like, yes, we've had uh PB nation where it was like, there are forums and there's this. And I mean, my, my thing with PB nation was always like, it seemed like a pain in the ass to post anything. And maybe it's just because I wasn't as tech savvy as I needed to be to post in there. But I feel like to the layman, it shouldn't have to be, you know, and I think Paintball Vault does that uh, a, a great service to the ones who can't really um, be as savvy as needed in the in the tech world. But also, it's like having a dedicated platform for something like this, because there is so much used gear and there's such a huge resale market for paintball stuff gear whatever you need that having to go to a third party platform that is not just that just is is bonkers to me that that was the way for so long and it couldn't be like well, wh where's why can't we just go to you know whatever to whatever and it's just paintball gear but I mean, like I said, P PB um, Nation was kind of like that, but then it had like a million forums on top of that. And what you have built with PB Vault is 
is such a relief because there is no there's no having to dig deep for anything. I mean, with the it's all going to be paintball stuff, and it makes it so much easier. Yeah, I mean that's that's really like I mean I think that's like one of the big tickets, right? You go on, you have this even a PB Nation. You're like you know, uh, for the time it's it's served it's it's still like I still go there and look at stuff, but it's just not as you know popular as it was, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's just not users on there, not as many posts, but you're really just putting up like a text thread and you're like, Hey, this is what I have. This is what I want. You, you got to host your own images and all that stuff that like makes it a little complicated. And then you're just, it's just this big long conversation thread of still the same questions. It's like, Hey, do you still have this? Or, Hey, would you, I know you said no trades, but would you trade it for my, my cat and uh, like a hundred bucks? And you're like, no, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. So you still have that same like kind of inconvenience with dealing with it where now it's like, you know, you and, and and on top of that, you do find a buyer, and then it's like it's all you know, one dimensional. Have, you have to they have to message you to get your information for payment, and then you're going yeah. back and forth on shipment, and then it's like, do I have your right address and all this stuff, right? So all that stuff just made that way more streamlined and, and simple. You know what I mean? You could essentially, not that this is what it's geared towards, but you could post your thing for sale, and then somebody just comes in at two a.m. and buys it with their credit card, and then you just ship it out the next day, and that's it. Yeah. Like that, that's impossible to do that with like, you know, with the old way of, you know, transacting, you know what I mean? So, mm. um, I'm, I think it also like back to like, why hadn't this done been done before one, I think there was already services doing it. So I think sometimes people, I feel like look at a thing and they think that they're just competing with X. They're like, well, I don't want to compete with eBay or Amazon. It's like, no, you're, you're not, you're competing with the paintball market share of, not even Amazon because you don't sell used on there, right? It's like you're selling, you're competing with now the used market of eBay, which you go on the eBay and you look at all the used paintball stuff. There's a lot of stuff on there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when you are like in, that's why I was also passionate about this doing this is because like you, you kind of you you've been part of the industry for so long and seen what it's like to be a player and you meet all these people that you can see a light at the end of the tunnel of what it would be like to take some of that market share away from ebay because they don't care about paintball you know what i mean yeah. they care that they sell paintball stuff but you know what i mean you go on there and the filters are like that i don't know it's like nothing right they have like a filter for the the ramping type of the of the board and like we're i'm like that's <laughs> actually kind of funny that you all have that versus other things but yeah. you know what i mean like where this is just going to be made just for paintball so you have specific pages on every type of you know marker right you go search like i was just doing this for fun earlier search like vicious in the app and you've got you know anybody that has a vicious item posted but then you have like the vicious 3.5 geo and then the vicious csl and the vicious you know geo 2.0 that kind of stuff while there might not be all of those markers for sale on Paintball Vault at one given time, you have easy access to like go look at that, then follow that product type. So if one's listed, you get, you know, notified. So all that, that stuff, nice. you know, makes it easier. And yeah, you can kind of work your way around that on like an eBay. Like I have a saved search for Angel LCD. So anytime anybody searches a term or posts things that says Angel LCD in the title, I'll get an alert. So I mean, that's kind of the same, but it's still not, you know, it's not the same, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and talking about uh, Vicious, too, there's a, a buddy of mine. He has two Vicious uh, Ego 7s. Ooh, he nice. has a, like a, a, a gold one. He has a gold one. Yeah, the uh, the milled out ones. He has a gold one, and I think he has, like, a... It's like, I think it's purple or something. Mm. I don't know. But it just made me think of it. And, and what 
what also I was thinking about that too was he has a ton of like gear, ton of old gear. And he had contacted me and he was like, Hey man, you know, I'll, you'll help me out. I'll give you a cut of it, but just help me out. And let's, let, I want to try and offload this stuff. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I'll help you out. Well, let's post it. And this was a while back. And, uh, and then just, you know, because of, you know, time and, and being busy and all this stuff kind of just slowly went by and, and we haven't gotten around to it, but they're also, all these other platforms didn't make it as easy as PB vault too. So it's like, it's like, okay, well now we got to post on, on Facebook. We got to post on here. We got to do this. And then now I can just go snap a couple photos, see what he wants to do as far as shipping goes and then put it up. And now we have that dedicated area. And then even like, if you want to go on Facebook or anything like that, isn't there regulations on like, you can't show a trigger or you can't like do certain things or whatever. Like now, like none of that is even even relevant. Right. And people at the time were like, "Oh man, you just really took advantage at the right time, right place of this of the Facebook Marketplace guidelines." Mm-hmm. It's like honestly, that's just a coincidence. Yeah, you know I mean, right. they've been they've been after that for a long time though, which is funny because now people will post. You know, we have, you know, I have it myself. My wife helps me with paintball vault. Um, so it's like we see people post photos with the like squirrelyed out trigger, and we're like, "No, no, no, you don't have to do that." Like I understand mm-hmm. that's your only photo, but can you please upload one that doesn't have any of that stuff obfuscated because you don't need to. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that is one kind of interesting challenge with, uh, just selling paintball stuff online in general is that meta and Google just have got, like, you know, policies in place for paintball guns. It just kind of got rolled into a gun. Right. So you can't yeah. do a lot of the things like retargeted ads where like you go look at a, I don't know, you're searching for like a, a camera battery or something. And now all over the internet, you're getting targeted for that same camera battery that you saw can't do that with paintball guns. That's why you see a lot of companies retargeting like their gear, like a pack and a goggle and their jersey and the brand. But it's not like I can go, you know, if I go to any paint, you know, unless they're not following the rules, you can't, you know, they haven't, Google or Facebook hasn't found out yet. Um, you can't do retargeting for the same thing, which is interesting. It's like a different um, sort of issue. But yeah, they, they seem to be pretty anti, you know, I don't know. It seems like anti-gun and market and paintball just kind of falls into that, you know? So. Yeah. Which is kind of like silly to me because, because I feel like if they were actually, you know, looking into it and seeing what it is, it's like, it's not, it, it, it shouldn't be a blanket policy, but I mean, it, it obviously is. Right. And it's like, I mean, they, they, it's funny, just like that, not to go on a rant on that, but then they turn a blind eye to all the other crazy illegal stuff that goes down on facebook you know what i mean it's yeah. like you name it it's like just it's like okay you're gonna shut down but that's sort of stuff you gotta think if they like implement one feature to like catch stuff they're gonna do let's just say image recognition on a photo to see if it has a trigger or is a gun and it's gonna be much easier for them to scale that process than to go like manually f- go through all of the groups and to like read the text and you know they can try to like gathered sentiment about what these conversations are about but it's not like it's just like here's this one feature that just detects images and then they're they're like it's a gun or not a gun right so mm-hmm. um i can i guess i can give them a little leeway why some stuff flies under the radar but it's also doesn't seem to make sense a lot of the times either you know so yeah if anything it's just it's just, you know a pain in the ass and i you know i did a lot through more in my instagram more than uh the meta side of it but um 
but now it's you know it's going to and I think what's nice too is that for uh, with Paintball Vault there's so much safety built into it too because of this, you know there there have been a lot of um, excuse me there have been a lot of instances where it's like hey I got this thing and you put it as working great shoots awesome buttery smooth and I get it and it's literally in pieces and it looks like the bolt hasn't been cleaned in ever. So right. it's it the, the, you now have this whole built-in thing where it's like you're you're getting rated, but you're also you know you have the option of saying no, this isn't what you were selling. You can send it back, and you are held liable at that point. Right. I think it's just going to make sellers be a little more honest with what they list, knowing that if there are scamsters out there, you know they they you know it's 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 just going to be you know, it's an uphill battle for them, right? They can't just not send something, right? They can't just take your money and not send it, right? Which is just like the oldest trick in the book, which has happened to so many people, unfortunately. So that's solved, right? And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, on top of that, it just doesn't serve you well as a seller to get on there and start sending people broken things. Because you see it on Facebook, they're like, hey, can I get a legit check on Carl? And then it's like, oh, I did business with Carl's. Like, okay, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Take that at face value. And then you have people doing that. But there's, you know, you go on, you know, you go on eBay and you see trade my gun as a quarter million feedback, you're going to be like, okay, I trust buying from those folks because they yeah. are established. You know what I mean? So, and obviously there's no rate. There's, you know, a lot of sellers don't have ratings in the beginning, but everything starts at nothing. So, yeah. um, you know, it's flowing in and I've seen sellers that have had positive experiences. They start to list more things and they, you know, they're selling them quickly. And that's, that's, what's exciting too, is people are selling stuff quickly, which is nice. And that's something that, you know, obviously paintball wall can't really control. It's going to do its best to market your gear to sell it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to like, you know, perception of what that product is and is it desirable and is it posted for a good price and all those factors too. Right. But Mm -hmm. things that are posted for like market value are going quick, which is cool to see. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, Yeah. It'll be a good judge too, of like really what, um, or at least in a concentrated area, you can really get an idea of what things are going for. You know, instead of seeing like, because you, I mean, you you'll scroll through at least for me, because um, I don't use really eBay or uh, or any other platform besides Instagram or sometimes you know Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call it. Um, but even then, you you kind of you can see what things are listed for, but you can't really see like what they were sold for to really yeah. get an idea. So, and I, and I'm assuming with Paintball Vault, you'll be going to be able to see what the listing is still, but it'll just have sold over top of it. Yeah, exactly. So you, I mean, there are sold listings. You see them on the sell screen at the bottom. It's kind of like some of the most recent ones. But once more transactions start to occur, um, then you'll definitely see that. Like, you know, one when you're listing, kind of the vision is to say, hey, you're posting an LV 1.6. It's worth, you know, it's worth between 800 and a thousand dollars or whatever. Give an average right? price so, of yeah, time. and then you sell it, and then you can go back and look at you know history of that marker type because you're also going to have to be there's going to be nuances to that, right? Is it a, is it an HK scale CS or 1.6 or is it a H2K 1.6 or is it a stock 1.6? So all that kind of stuff will also be, it's, it's like, it's stored, right? There's why, I mean, there's an H2K 1.6 LV page on paintball vault, right? It's not like there's 10 million H2K 1.6s, but somebody wants that gun, they can go look for it and find it. And if, 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 you know, if you sell then you know, kind of what the market value is and mm-hmm. what's cool is it's the same for all product types, which I think is really cool. Cause now with headgear, like headgear for the longest time was kind of a black box on value. Right. I remember, I don't know if you remember like when we were on avalanche, 
I had a tree trunk sandana. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of them. I had two, right? I bought them brand new at the store when I was a kid, and they were like $15, right? I bought Actually, I bought one like that, and the other one was sold by Mike Bretto on PB Nation, who's he's still, still in paintball, but he's you know affiliated with like the HK guys at the time, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. He sold me one, and it was also like 20 bucks or something, right? So I had an extra one, and I sold it for $1,000 in like 2007. <laughs> And all of our teammates on Avalanche are like, well, you did what? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, I have a Sandan. I'm like, well, you have a different one that's worth a little bit less or more. And then <laughs> a, couple guys had the same, a couple of guys had one. And they're like, I'm selling. I'll give it to you right now. You sell it for a thousand bucks. And I, you know, and I sold it for them. And they were like, this is crazy. But that that sort of like valuation of headgear has definitely progressed throughout the years, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. always like that. There, but you know, in the early 2000s everyone had a tree trunk sent in and no one gave a crap they were 15 bucks right they just had one because it was cool and they start to gain in value and then like 2010 ish the history of these products got kind of lost in the weeds like the the venomware types and it's a weird time for paintball sandana types got kind of lost and people started making new versions of those things which sort of like confused the value of a lot of these old products so now you have like people that like, hey, you know, like this is the valuable one. And he's like, no, nah, that's the valuable one. Like, that one just got made. That's like, that's the thing. <laughs> so, regardless, it's like where I'm going is like, I think it's cool that, you know, you, now you have headgear, you have value of headgear, right? You want to go look at the, you know, you know, take hormesis. They have so many different variants and types and like whatever you want to, however you want to refer to their like, you know, different, you know, versions. Um, they got so many. And then same with Sandana and all that stuff. And they all have different value, right? So one's worth a lot and one worth might not be worth as much, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to be cool to kind of track that stuff down. Yeah, it's crazy to see how many different people out there are making, you know, making headgear and making really good looking headgear on top of that. And it's almost like the average price of a decently made, you know, decent fabric, well-made headband. It's like 125 bucks, I feel, is like has been the average price, which is still insane to me, like to pay that much for a headband. But, um, and also like, I'm very much like, uh, where'd it come from? Is this, is this $125? Are you, did this come from like a giant batch that was just made in, you know, in Turkey or whatever, or is somebody like hand stitching these things and, and they're like posting up like, Hey, I made these, these are what's got-. like, that's what I like. Like, I like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Charm City paintball. Yeah. But- yeah. Yeah, Mike from Charm City, he hand makes all these headbands and um I've I've used a lot of his stuff for a long time and I've I'm really really hooked on like the handmade stuff and I think that's one of the reasons why Hormesis besides the fact that it's Oliver and Alex and it's such a good such a good backstory. Um but also they did such a good job of the origin of the whole thing that it does come from you know organic dyes and this and that and i think that's what also pushed that hormesis name out there and what made them so valuable and still valuable but um but i mean i I, and i think that kind of that should be coming back into the market because you know we were talking about how in that 2010s era it was kind of shifting and even 2009 and, and going into 2008, 2009 ish, it felt like it was going very much um, outsourced kind of thing. Cause I was looking at some old jerseys and some old pants and there are some stuff that is 
like made somewhere else. But then th- there's some of the jerseys I have. It says made in the USA and made in, uh, I mean, there's some of the JT stuff made in Mexico or whatever it is, but it's very yeah. close to where they were. But it's like you, you look at a lot of the pants and jerseys and stuff. Now it's like so much stuff is made in Pakistan and nothing against Pakistan, but it's just, there's a lot of stuff that I feel. I, I, I don't want to shit on anybody, but also it feel it just seems like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the gear back then was made to last. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was it was heavier duty. It was heavy. Now it's we have a lot of like people wearing sweatpants to play paintball in, and I mean they call them joggers, but I call them sweatpants. But it's like it's, I'm sure they're comfortable, but I'm just more of like the kind of not huge baggy pants, but I just like a pant, like a straight pant. Yeah. We'll go into it later. But um, well, I'm glad they make smaller pants now because there was a few years there. I remember when I first got on Infamous, they, our pants were so baggy, and I was like, Travis, you gotta, because he was like, in, you know, involved in making, pro- helping, you know, make product at Empire, and I was like, you gotta make skinny pants. He's like, ah, oh, no, man, people like the baggy <laughs> and the pads. I'm like, some people like the baggy and the pads, but yeah, we're trying to go snake on the hot here. I can't be like, wad like have waders on. You know what I mean? So, Just catching wind <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> like, <pretty much. laughs> yeah, and and I don't like, I. I don't like the jump. Like I like it when it's like just a little bit loose around the leg. Um, I don't like it giant, but I can't for me. It's like if I'm putting something over my pads and it's as I put my, like my pads are already like tight as I'm going on. But if I put something else on over top of that, that's also tight. I just feel constricted and I just, I don't feel like I can move around and maybe I haven't given them a chance. Maybe I'm just being completely biased. Who knows? But I, that's my opinion. Um, but I might have to try them here soon anyway. But it, it's, um, but it's cool though. I mean, cause you have these different, uh, f- generational kind of styles and that are kind of meshing right now. I feel, especially with dynasty winning a bunch. And, um, there's a lot of older guys that are still playing competitively and you have this kind of back and forth of like, um, older style play newer style mentality but it's it's such a weird weird mix at the moment yeah and i think i mean on the we're talking about just the the headband front and i agree with you on like where the you know where things are made i think it gives it a little more character and things like that you kind of know the story of you know where these things come from but i think another interesting component is that it's sort of to me it's sort of when you talk about you know a headband being 125 bucks or you know more on the secondary market I think it kind of speaks to the like the type of you know who the average paintballer is right i think they like having those you know those kind of like rare niche products like the there's something to be said when you can buy a product in an industry and resell it for more than it's worth you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that is common like in fashion clothes and things like that or really rare releases of things that are just hard to get right like you know you have a have a you know graphics card in my computer here like that was worth more at retail at one point just because you couldn't get them right and yeah that's sort of the case with some of these limited releases and how these companies do things like you have a lot of companies doing that now which is cool you've got like you know you got project making a set number of cs2s and the milling's really nice right and they sell out and then the secondary market on that is higher than what they were even though Mm -hmm. they were like at the pretty much the most expensive paintball gun you could buy right same with their lux and you've got that with hormesis but i think it's just cool that i think there's something about like our our sports very gear centric like to me i started enjoying paintball 
way more when I got a good paintball gun. Like I mm-hmm. went from having a mediocre gun to having like, I got a, my first good gun was a free flow autococker. I bought it used, but I didn't know anything about autocockers and it wasn't really like tuned right. So I was like, ah, people seem to love these things, but this one isn't that sweet. So then I got a, an angel and that thing was brand new out of the box. And I, sh- I went to the field for the first time. I'm like, dude, this is, you know, this is how it should be. Like, this is sweet. Like I didn't break any paint. It just worked. All I had to worry about was playing and I have to worry Smooth. about my stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's just one example, but I think we're just very like gear centric in a way. And I think, uh, you know, that's one thing I'm excited about with, with paintball ball is to sort of accentuate that, right? Like there's gear. I have so many like old guns, but I'll sell it really to just buy a different one or, you know, whatever it may be. Like, that's mm-hmm. really what it is. It's like, okay, I had that for a few years and now I kind of I've always wanted an X and it's for sale. Let's, you know, let's make a deal. So, um, but I do think there's like something to our, our like players in paintball that they, they, they like that sort of, you know, rare, unique stuff. And, I don't know yeah, if that's making sense, but you know, yeah. I like that they, uh, they, that, that's like kind of ingrained in our industry, you know? So, well, it's great now, you know, having that, uh, having paintball vault to be able to put stuff on there. Cause I, I've had, I've had stuff that I've hung on to for whatever reason. I, I don't even know why I hung on to it. And I'm very much like, well, I, I kind of want somebody else to enjoy it. You know, like I've had my time with it and it's had an emotional, you're a, um, a, uh, well, yeah, like I have had an emotional attachment to it and it's, it's ran its course as far as that's concerned. And now, you know, it's not like my kids are going to be like, Oh yeah, I want an Alex Frazier Jersey or not that I'm getting rid of my Alex Frazier Jersey or, um, just kind of this weird like stuff that I've hung on to. Um, and now I can kind of just quickly just do, you know, do that yeah. and let somebody else enjoy it now. I hear you there. I was having the exact same conversation with Todd the other day because he started posting a bunch of stuff on Paintball Vault, and we're like, I'm like texting him, and he's I'm seeing what he's posting. And he's posting like some really cool rare stuff, and uh, you know, he was like, well, "What do you think some of this stuff's worth?" So I kind of threw out some numbers of what I had seen, you know, jerseys going for, and I told him like, so he actually um, we traded jerseys back in like 2007. So I had a Todd Martinez pinstripe jersey, mm-hmm. right, Dynasty jersey, and I traded my Avalanche jersey. But lately, so I, I was like really big on collecting jerseys for a long time, but you know, I'm, you know, since then I've moved like multiple times and finally we moved, we moved into this house last year and we plan on being here for a long time, but I have, you know, throughout every move, I've had all these bins of jerseys. Right. And you get to a point where like, I'm not going to like wear this when I play. Right. Even though Mm -hmm. it's like, you got some really cool rare stuff. It's more of just like, okay, this is like, you have this collection and you kind of feel good about it you're like this is cool shit to go look at i'll go through my closet and you know um see them and i'm like this is really cool but to the same point you're making it's like i there's someone out there that would enjoy that would like one they would wear this pinstripe jersey like to church they like would love it right and they would like it'd be like the coolest piece in their entire collection Mm -hmm. and to me i felt like i'm missing out it's like okay i just i just have this thing and while we traded jerseys and i feel like there was a personal connection there our personal connection goes way beyond like trading one Jersey one time. It's like all yeah. the years we've known each other. Right. So, um, but that's one example, but like there's other, I sold uh, I had a Brock Jolliffe avalanche Jersey and I sold it on there and I texted him. I was like, Hey man, this just, so you know, this is the first Jersey that's ever been sold on paintball vault. He's like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that's just something I've had forever, but it's like, I'm not gonna, I mean, I felt, I felt worse by just having bins of these jerseys and never doing anything with them. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, cause I have too many of my own, you know what I mean? It's like, those are the ones I'll keep those. Right. So I have like a Jersey from, times we've won tournaments and like things like that 
So just my jerseys throughout the year is, is like too many almost. Right. So to now have bins and bins and bins of other people's jerseys, it's like, dude, it'd be maybe, you know, I don't know if you remember the old smart parts factory, how they had all the jerseys like framed on the mm-hmm. staircase at the indoor, like that was cool. But like, I mean, that's not going to fly with the wife to be like, Hey, we're, we're <laughs> right. this whole house is going to be covered in jerseys. So. I have this great when idea. Started, when we first started dating, my entire condo was wall to wall jerseys. So all these jerseys, I had them pinned up, not even framed. I had them like nailed up over the entire, like entire condo. So mm-hmm. that, didn't, that was a bachelor pad for sure. <laughs> Man. You know, and I think about that too. Like I have all these jerseys and I had my, my time with them and, um, it's like, dude, that Oliver jersey that you have, that that, that was it like a 2002? Yeah, 2002 uh, Ainge. So it's got the WDP Cobra. sponsor. Actually, I got it right here. I got a lot of them. I, I see a, a barrel sticking up back there, too. Closet. So let me see if I can do this. So it's got all the old sponsors. So they were, you know, they shot Angels back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. SC Village. And then... So there, got the Cobra. How badass I mean, is that Cobra logo, dude? I know, man. So sick. That gun, uh, the keeper. I actually regret uh, I had Alex's uh, team gun. I owned it for a little bit, and I sold it. I wish I still had that thing because, I mean, those guns, talk about, like, history, man. It's, like, the best team ever, and you've got one of their first, like, private label guns ever, and it's mm-hmm. like, man, I wish I would have never gotten rid of that, but. Yeah. So yeah I always I always thought it was sweet. Um I wanted Oliver's uh stock SFT. Yeah. They, I mean they're the whole reason why I wanted a shocker was was because right. of that. And um because that was kind of around when I got into the sport was uh was then and then them switching over and then they were shooting SFTs for a long time until they got their on on their private logo. But I remember they got um I don't know if it was Alex or it was Oliver, but they had a s- sticker on the side of it that said Alex or Oliver. Well, that was actually laser engraved because I actually oh, there was, was one posted very recently that was Alex's and it's like totally beat, but it's like whatever. It's I mean it's old and it's it is what it is, but it has it's actually laser engraved in the side. It says Alex. Oh, nice. Recently. Yeah, it's a black one. So, dude, it's so awesome. Like thinking about all that stuff and just kind of where we are now and people people wanting the stuff. And you know, even go back to jerseys. Like, what what is your um, your favorite jersey to kind of have, man. Don't get me wrong. Like I would love. I think it'd be cool as shit to deck like dress. Remember, like the the JT pants that had the big knee pads that had the colored thighs that Dynasty wore in like '05. Oh yeah, right? I have a pair of those. They had like Oliver wore like a red one, and Alex wore blue ones. And they had gray ones and yellow you ones. Nikki Cuba that. had the red yeah, front with the yellow, yellow back. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like all those. Um, but to like show up to the field one day. I got a, a 05 SFD Dynasty Shocker. I got a Halo. Like, put all this stuff on, wear Flex 7, put the JT pants on, and wear the Oliver jersey. But I just imagine getting bonus ball to shit all day long because you just look like such a nerd. But I'd be like, this is cool, man. Um, but as far as, like, wearing them, I mean, I really just kind of – even the ones that are mine, I don't even really wear the older ones. I just wear, like, whatever the kind of the most recent jersey that I have is. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, there's times where I wear old ones for sure. Like, there's times where I'll break out some – old school stuff at a, at a practice here and there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, it kind of stays. And it gets to the point where I don't really want to mess up the jersey, right? You don't want to, like, get shot in sublimation and then, like, it starts peeling or whatever, right? Or stain. Because, yeah. Yeah, because that's all heat press. I mean, back then it was all vinyl heat press onto the onto the fabric. Yeah. 
I mean, you can definitely tell the quality difference, though, right? It's like the sublimation. It just looks crisp. But it's also kind of tough because now they, you know, JT makes so many of these jerseys as remakes that it's kind of like doesn't catch your eye in the same way. You have to like double take. You're like, is it a new one? Is that an old one? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I, I like seeing all the remakes of stuff and see it come back. You know what I mean? But it also kind of like, in a way, the same way those, you know, Sandana remakes in 2010 kind of confuse everybody. I feel mm-hmm. like there's also, you know, maybe potential confusion with old stuff. And you're like, that's the, nah, they remade that last year. Like, dude, this is 25 years old, you know? So, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, that's why I love those. It's like a, it, actually, it's a love hate relationship with those, uh, those heat press jerseys because depending, on how big your number was and how long your name was, it felt like a like on the the Avalanche jerseys. We had one where my number was four one nine, so that took up three <laughs> giant spaces. And then having Markowski on the back, I remember it was like it just felt like a big plastic just sheet that was on my yeah. back when I was playing. Yeah, the the yeah the the heat press because I remember Ed had that at Warped and he would do it himself and uh, yeah the the heat press was I I missed that though because I think there's something really cool about especially the front of a jersey when you're playing like in you know let's say the field kind of turns to dirt and it's like a hot summer day mm-hmm. so everyone's front of their jersey is like brown essentially but the sub the heat press logos would be like crystal clear because they're not oh, yeah. gonna like attract the dirt I always thought that was such a cool look to have like just the you know your your team name or your sponsors or your name or like like crystal clear and everything it's just like dirty everywhere else i always thought that was cool i would love to see a team go back to that like just go back to a couple old things but it's just so much cheaper to do so many you know all sublimation and everything now but um I, there is a jersey that i kind of wish i i hung on to and it was one of my own it was i don't know if you remember it, and i i think we did but we made jerseys at ed's place but we made them with like red and oh, black. Gold? Yeah. I don't have that one either. I wish I did. Um, yeah. I, don't yeah. I thought I keep thinking about that one. Cause I have, um, I have Adam Geis's Jersey that we all signed and I have that one down there still that I plan on hanging on to. And I have a couple, I have a, um, uh, an X ball USA blank Jersey yep. that I've worn at practices and stuff just cause I like the way it looks and, that was one that I'll, I'll always like pull off the hanger and everything. But I'm, I'm thinking about like, okay, well I've kind of had my time with that one. We'll see what I can do with that. And I have a, an O I can't, I don't know if it's an O five or an O six excessive Jersey of mine. I have an Intel yeah. Alex Frazier Jersey from the uh, smart parts tournament. Oh yeah. I have yeah. that Jersey from them. You have the, is it the, is the excessive like the NorCal bear one or the ones after that? Uh, after that, I I sold the NorCal uh, Bear one, but yeah, are, uh, I, I have a, the camo. It's the camo oh, yeah. one with the excess on the side, and you guys won Chicago or that year, '06, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, that's sweet. Dude, paintball has gone through so many transitions. Like, okay, so this is what I wanted to ask you. It was so because like now there's such a kind of a more of a presence of people collecting and and grabbing. Um, older jerseys, markers, all this stuff. What was what was that market, or what do you think the market was back then? Was it since it wasn't like jerseys and markers? Do you think it was like accessories on whatever you had? Do you think that was like more of the collection? Because I remember like all these smaller companies making all these different accessories, and it's like if you had a marker that was like upgraded, that was that was the cool thing to have. 
Yeah, I think I just I feel like in general, like back when all this old stuff was new, people didn't look at it like they thought it was going to be a valuable or collector's thing at any point, right? Like people just sort of discarded the same reason, even, you know, I even did this, right? Like you go through these phases where you feel like, you know, the, you know, the next year you'll have another gun. So what's this one really worth? And then time goes by and you're like, man, I still wish I had that. And then yeah. 15 years goes by or 20 years and you're like, man, that gun was super sick and I have no idea where it is and I wish I still had it. So I just mm -hmm. think people just didn't really uh, pay the same attention on what the, but nowadays I, I would be hard pressed if somebody bought a brand new project G CS2 and didn't think that they just kept it in crisp condition, that it would be worth as much or more and be valuable in 10 years. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so I think people's just perception of gears changed a little bit in that way. Um, but I do think on the accessory front, not that people like, I don't know, it was sort of like, I wouldn't say it's like a flex, but there was something cool that you could go you could take one gun like i remember i had a 2k2 intimidator and i had i think every part on it was from a different company right i had like an adjustable ram cap from like this company paintball kingdom right and i had a trigger from uh had a techno trigger and then you have like the front volumizer from hybrid and then my feed neck was like ccm mm -hmm. and then you've got a die barrel and then you've got, i had a cp regulator and then i had a freaking max flow tank and then I had a gun made by Bob Long. I don't know how many companies I just said there, but like that's not possible now. You can't. Yeah. You can. You can put a different barrel on your gun, in a you know whatever loader you have. But that's it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there was something kind of cool to like the flare you could add on your gun by doing stuff. Right? Are you mm -hmm. the kind of dude that puts the chrome cash money eye covers on your Timmy? Or are you the kind of dude that has like an all black one that's just like, you know, ninja mode? You know, yeah. so. Um, I think that was kind of cool. And you kind of have that with anodizing. So anodizing, I think, replaced yeah. that because there was a period of time where not a lot of people anodized their guns. Early on, everybody had custom anodized guns, but overall, the amount of paintball guns on the market was lower, right? You had companies like Adrenaline and Cobra and BBT and doing all these custom anode stuff, but they didn't have – there was no aesthetic in, in, you know, in arc anodizing back then. You know what I mean? There was like companies that anodized stuff for things that weren't paintball that people then – you know, got in touch with to like anodize your stuff. Not everyone, but like that was, you know, a thing. And mm -hmm. so I think like after that period, everyone got so used to like stock colored guns, they kind of lost that character. And I think it was around that, it's in that 2000 late, you know, 2010 ish area. No one really had anodized guns. People didn't really know it was a thing. And then mid 2014, 15, every person in the world now anodizes their gun. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like a way to make it custom and make it yours. So I like that. I think that's cool because you want to have something that's like personal to you. It's like your gun. It's like that's I don't know. It's cool. So yeah, hadn't lost that entirely. You know. Yeah, and I'm 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 super glad that there are people out there that are still that are that or that there's a a bigger market now for people to anodize markers because it gives us. I mean, I like the the printed side. I mean, there's there's a lot that you can do with the printed side, like the stuff that Planet makes, and and I did a few a few markers with them. And it was great, but there's also such a, this finesse that comes with having like a marker that just full body or just, it's, there's, I don't know, maybe it's just the process too. It makes it so much more kind of valuable because, you know, there is more time put into it than just dipping um, something. And I mean, right. I mean, that might just go back to the whole, like the headband thing of like, it's, it feels more of somebody's hands were on this for longer than two seconds um again not to downplay any like 
any of the dip stuff, but it's like just having like I have a um uh the one DSR I have on P Vault PB Vault right now is like that uh, that yeah that crazy nineties pop art like paintball thing. I yeah. I love it. I think it's I think it looks great. Um, I kind of don't want to sell it now that I'm talking about. It. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> well, you, take, you take it off for sale. <laughs> but it's off. uh it's um your know, props to die too on on the dsr plus dude have you shot one of those i have not shot the dsl or the dsr oh no i've shot the dsr i have not shot the dsl but yeah dude the dsr plus like what i was shooting um at the beginning of this season and the end of last season i was shooting the dsr plus with a single trigger like electric trigger on there and it dude it's it's very very nice like it's super yeah. smooth. It shoots like an old school matrix. The only thing I think that could make it better is if they added meat to it to kind of, um, I mean, there's not much of a pop to it or like a, or like a, um, what, what do you call it? Just a, um, I don't know. It's not backfire, but it's, I don't know what, the, you know what I'm talking about, but, um, yeah. A, a recoil. Kick. Yeah. Recoil. Yeah. But, um, but if you add, I think we're, we're we're going so far away from the big meaty stuff and we're trying to slim away so much from all these markers. And I think it's, I mean, at the same time, I think the internals are also getting better. So things are getting smoother. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, even if we put a, a few more ounces on this marker, I think it's going to, it's going to shoot so much better because the, there won't be as much recoil. Um, but uh, but dude, the, the DSR dude, hats off the die, dude. That 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 thing was awesome to shoot. I was actually going. Speaking of just guns and how they progress, I was going on. I was talking to Ronnie D's on the other day. I was going on a rant on this because I found a ten inch ultralight tip going through my stuff, and I put it for sale on Paintball Vault. <laughs> and then a few days later, I was like, you know what? I'm actually not going to sell that because one. Uh, I saw Nick Sloviak in between that time, and he's like, "Oh, you got ten inch? Like they don't make that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Like no companies, mm-hmm. they just go away from that. They're like no one wants to buy a ten inch." Um, but I kept it, and I was like, "You know what? Just like not just gonna. Talk. It's more than just the barrel, right? So you think about you had that. You know, you had an old gun. Like there's a reason why a DM4 shoots so well, and an old Matrix just had more meat on their bones. So there's like less. It's more weight to like restrict that. Oh, your camera just went out. Okay. More weight to restrict that. Uh, there we go." restrict the recoil right so mm-hmm. and you have more air volume like and so it's just a smoother shot signature which comes at a cost of like less efficiency so then you had this race to be like well that gun might shoot smooth the matrix might be sweet but you've got guys on at the time trauma that can always rack up with eight pods and they need to shoot like these aftershock dudes they need to shoot 22 or whatever right so you have this like now you have this like shift and like, okay, let's all shoot intimidators because these things are super fast and halos just came out and the mm-hmm. wasp board is dope and this gun rips like 20 bips and it's awesome. So you had this like total, you know, shift and they were efficient, right? And then every I think everyone got so stuck on this efficiency train that there were certain products that I'm not really sure why they still aren't popular. Like I shot a 4545 for a long time mm-hmm. and now they just don't make them anymore. You know what I mean? I think they do make, they do make smaller tanks, but in general, everyone gets a 90 or a, you know, a six, 72 now or instead of whatever, like, you know, the Crazy. common sizes are, but you don't, especially in X ball, you don't need that big of a tank. You don't need that much air because you're not, it's like, you're not going to shoot that much. Right. And mm-hmm. same with like, so the fact that our current game doesn't make you shoot as much paint 
the whole reason why some of these products like became popular and adopted was because they solved the problems of like inefficiency, uh, you know, things like that. Those aren't problems anymore though. Right. So why don't we all like, why don't people want to use a lighter tank that's as small as possible to get the, the amount of shots that they need. And then a barrel too, like you're watching, I actually have it right here. <laughs> so I brought it, uh, I put it on, I put it on this gun cause I thought it looked hilarious. So You've got people playing, right? And how many times do you see someone playing and then to switch their hands, they're like dipping down their gun and or then coming up the other super way. Yeah. They're doing that because the barrel's long. So you had to, also you had this phase in barrels where 16 inch was sweet. So you had like, oh, I got a 16 inch barrel because you had people like using it in a way back then because they thought they could like manipulate the airball bunkers because you could kind of stick it in, in there mm -hmm. and like, you know, manipulate the bunker your way. People, that's not a thing anymore, right? So mm -hmm. like, why and, and I think people debunk the fact that a longer barrel doesn't mean more accurate. So it's like you're not gonna, right? I think everyone went through that phase when they first started playing. I'll just get a 900 inch barrel and I'll never miss. So <laughs> if you don't need the length for accuracy and you're changing the way you switch hands behind a bunker or you're doing things behind a bunker because you're uncomfortable with how long your setup is, mm. then isn't that a problem? Like, why not have a super short barrel? <laughs> and <laughs> And like not let things get in your way that don't even need to be a problem in the first place. Like what if you yeah. had a, um, but there is something with the, the stock length of a gun, right? You can't mm -hmm. not have a tank and just have this and run around like this. Cause it's very uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, the stock length is one thing. Cause there is something to like having that whole, like, you know, hold it and it goes in your elbow kind of thing. Like there's something to that, but the front of the gun, it's like, why does that matter? So if you had, and the loader, the loaders, hold more paint than a pod so for a front guy you do there is that value on the first gunfight you have 240 rounds and you don't have to reload until a little bit later yeah but if you're already you're loading throughout the whole game so like what's the real downside risk in loading a full loader when you're almost empty because you think about you're running around the entire unless you load so here's your options the pods hold you know let's say 60 percent of what the loader holds so you're like loading the loader and if it's empty, now you have a loader that's two-thirds full or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. to load it completely full, and we've all done this, you take out the second pod, and either you're right on the money and you get lucky that two fills up the whole thing because you were like a quarter full, yeah. or you're wasting half a pod. So you're running around with only six pods in the first place, and you just wasted half of a pod because you wanted a full loader for your move, where like if you started with a loader that was only the size of the pod, you're just like being way more efficient over the size of your setup. So now I'm like going on a crazy rant here on like gear I setup. I like it. There's a reason why all this stuff became popular in the first place and why it's adopted to the way it is. Like there's a reason why everyone's shooting a 14-inch barrel and not a 12 or a 16. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's no, there's really no rhyme or reason to be like, why isn't it 12? Why isn't it 12 mass adopted? It's like, well, 14 was like just genuinely considered to be cooler and better and people pros shot them and all that stuff so everyone just adopted 14 you know what i mean so um i just feel like especially with imagine this day so valken came out with that electronic gun which i've been waiting for that whole kind of technology to progress because you that, were the first one who told me you were the first one who actually were i think were talking to me about some kind of battery operated marker would I just be... think it'd be a great idea right and i get why it's i mean i'm not a engineer to the point where I could, you know, even come close to doing that some stuff, but it sounds like it makes sense, right? It's mm -hmm. like you have airsoft guns and a paintball is larger than an airsoft. So it's more mass to propel and you're going to have issues with trying to figure that out, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it would be impossible. Right. So, um, 
if you had that, now this thing becomes, you know, different. It becomes a stock because it's not necessarily needed anymore. You don't need compressed air. You just need the stock for the thing. So mm -hmm. imagine a day where you had electronic gun, which is cool because now you can just play in your backyard whenever you want. You don't need a compressor. Um, you know, it, it's like, it'd be just more convenient to play paintball anywhere for people. Right. Cause that's a lot of, I don't know, when I grew up, it's like you went to the, you had to go to the store to get your tank filled. It's still like that. You go to the store to get yeah. your tank filled. You have your tank for the week and you, whatever. So, but you have a stock battery operated, tiny little barrel, tiny little loader. I mean, like you're just, that's the, I told Ronnie, I was like, that's the kid you play call of duty. That's the kid that like slide cancels around the corner and just like stuffs you. And you're like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? So, um, I just feel like there hasn't been a lot of progression in people rethinking their equipment in a long time. And they're mm -hmm. like inheriting things that are just grandfathered in from, you know, from issues that were not a thing anymore, you know? So, yeah. And I, I also, you know, to, you know, there's a couple of different topics I want to go on there, but uh, first on the, on the, the barrel length itself, like, I think that's the whole reason why inserts are getting longer. And I think it's going to get to a point where inserts, I mean, cause what the, the freak, the, the freak, the newest one is that's like what, and like an eight inch insert, right. Or something like that, or right. maybe longer. So, I mean, just adding a smaller tip onto that, I, I think is probably the way to go i mean because we're not really guiding the ball anymore at that point it's yeah i mean i'm pretty as far as i understand it the ball touches the control board and that's it it doesn't touch the tip you know what i mean it's more mm -hmm. there for like sound and you know things of that nature i'm sure plenty of people can sound off of exactly what it does and doesn't do but the fact that you know so i, I do think maybe there's value in the longer control boards but once it's past the control board i'm pretty sure everything else past that point is like sound I, I think it has to be because you know. i mean you're solid through that entire control bore and then the more porting that you have the more dissipation of the air the the, the further the tip is or the longer the tip is right. because i mean there's less ports the the smaller it is so it's i mean it's gonna be more clacky so it might be just a like a an audible thing to where it's like it just won't be pleasing to because it might be so clacky but I mean, yeah. who knows? I mean, I mean, put more porting on a shorter, shorter uh, tip. Who knows? I mean, this thing still shoots fine. I mean, I don't know. But, it looks uh, great. It it does look really cool. <laughs> and I put it on a tiny gun too, so it's like dark axe. So it's like the smallest gun I had with the smallest barrel. That's got to be the coolest axe though that I've seen. I love it. So I would like. So that was. I'm. I think it was the first dark axe made at the time. Like Walter was working with Ed, and I always thought it was so cool. Like growing up and seeing Avalanche guys get the first of a dark gun. So you had like Danny and Jason Barrett getting the dark DM four in like 2004. There's only like, I want to say there's only like four of those ones, like unanodized one blew up and one's like still floating around. There's like hardly any, right. Mm -hmm. And you got the dark Timmy that they came out with. Um, and you had the dark, uh, G seven angel. I just thought it was so cool how those dudes always got like a dark, like they're, you know, that private label gun. Yeah. So when I got this on infamous, I was like, I mean, it's just, it just felt cool. I was like, this is, this is sweet. This is like what I looked up to, you know, 10 years ago. And here I am with one of them, you know, so mm -hmm. that's cool. I still had, I had a, uh, an all black shock tech intimidator. That would be pretty cool right now. I still had that. Yeah. Those are, uh, the Timmy's rip. And another thing is like, you know, loaders, you, there's something. So the fastest gun I've ever owned was on avalanche, the SL 74. I had that, I had a black one. And the dwell on that thing, I got down to six milliseconds. So the dwell's like, you know, the shorter it is, you know, it's going to be, it, the higher that thing goes, the longer that bolt's taking to, you know, everything's taking to do its thing. So mm -hmm. 
with that low amount of dwell. And then the loader on it was uh, had an RF chip in the board that communicated with, at the time, it was the Magna loader, which was made by Empire, which was the oh, payload yeah. that didn't have the front on it. It was, it was so very it back heavy. New, yeah. Right. So that all one. the paint was in the back. So it looked like wonky kind of, especially like if you saw it today, you're like, what is that thing? Um, <laughs> it's but almost like an egg. It, it had, had the egg kind of like ergonomic not not that round like an egg but just kind of how it kind of flowed backwards yep and then um it had the so i had a we were, we were sponsored by boost at the time which was a company that made rechargeable lithium-ion battery packs for these mm. loaders because everyone shot halos and prophecies and stuff back then and you needed like you people decked out their loaders there was just as much tech that went into a loader almost as a gun right you had different drive trains you had different spring tension there was companies making the cones like shock tech made mm -hmm. cones and hybrid made cones and all Aluminum these people cones. made parts and then the speed feeds came out and it just like goes but back to my point like that gun with the rf chip and that loader i mean that thing you would shoot it and it would just be a constant sound you couldn't hear gaps in between the balls it'd be like bop, 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 and then your loader would be empty you're like what is this thing dude so um and i thought i just think that's cool like i don't think that should be like i feel like there's a little bit of something missing in paintball by not having these things full potentials unleashed you know what i mean it's like i'm not saying go out there and let somebody get ripped 30 bips but it's like um i do think there's a future with this with mech though because these mech guns are getting really fast and they're they solve a lot of the maybe the cheater problems that electric might have and you could build a i i would love to see a double trigger mech gun where the double trigger is really tuned to be shot fast because everyone now is just like like trying to fit their two fingers into a single trigger because that's the rule but what if it was mech and you could you go back to you know fast fingers rule of west be kind of cool well so a couple things so um the loader i was actually a very big fan of the level the level loader from gi and, oh yeah, and that whole operation, like I still have mine from uh, when I was with AfterShock, and uh, still works great. I love the aesthetic. I love the way it looks. Um, it kind of has like a spire esque kind of like shape to it, but um, yeah. I think it's got a great look to it. And I think it the mechanism is different, and uh, it worked great. I love it. My problem with the mech community is that. Not that I absolutely hate it when I see people double fingering a single trigger, and it makes me cringe every single time. Or I, do, I just do it; my fingers are too fast. Or when somebody like fans it like this, I like yeah. I turn yeah. it off, and it like just it feels like it just takes us back years when I see people doing that. But what I think if they if they want to make it a true mech tournament, I feel like they need to come out with loaders that are um, agitating. That are not force fed. Yeah, but we'll be, I mean, if you think about it, like if we really want to make it true mech, because nobody's gonna break paint because we don't, we're not shooting fast or we're shooting too fast or whatever. Um, if you right. really want to make it mech and really go back, like start making some agitating loaders instead of these force feeds, because the only reason, the only reason people fan the trigger or walk it or do anything like that, like oh look how fast I can shoot this mech. It's like yeah, but look at the loader that you're using. Like, of course you're yeah. going to be able to do that. So, like, let's let's take it back to, like, you know, Revy's and, and all this other stuff. It makes some agitating loaders. But, I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. But I, I don't know. I just – it kind of bugs me when so many people are, like, boasting at how fast they can shoot these mech markers. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, isn't it interesting though that like we used to we used to go from X ball tournament to seven man back and forth, back and forth all season, and one league was fifteen bibs capped and the other was uncapped, and it was significantly faster. Even though fifteen is way faster than ten now, mm-hmm. the difference back then between the X ball and the seven man was night and day. But it's not like anyone's playing experience was like drastically different. It was just two different f- modes of fire, right? And one yeah. was trying to compete and do the uncapped semi, and one was trying to say that this 15 bibs is the way to go. Um, but that, that kind of say it says something to me that like, does it really make that much of a difference? And if it's an aspect that gets people excited about something else extra, then like, what's the harm, dude? I mean, I get there's so many points that have been like, you know, we've all heard a thousand times, I guess, up up until now, but. I feel like now that so much time's gone by where we really brought that stuff up that I don't know. I just think it's kind of, kind of cool. Like I kind of like that you can shoot fast at the, at the 10 mans. It's like, cause you have those little spurts where even though it's single trigger, you have that little quick, like, and it's like, mm-hmm. I miss that uh, consistency with your shot. Cause there's something to, when, you know, when you're shooting 10 bips and you come out snap shooting, that first ball is going to be right exactly where you pull the trigger. Yeah. But the next one, like there's something about the muscle memory and what your brain's thinking and your triggers, like your fingers saying and when this ball should come out. And it's not coming out at that time. It's coming out at a cadence of 10 balls a second, right? Yeah. So everyone's gotten so used to it. Like obviously it's not like it, it goes through my brain every time I'm gunfighting. But when it first was a thing, it definitely was like, oh man, this feels weird. This is like, I'm used to just coming out and being like, rat, and rat, you know, and like mm-hmm. exactly when I pull the trigger. Um, so I think like, I don't know, I just kind of, kind of miss it. That's all I'm saying. Well, and having a double trigger that means something, you know, that that's, right. I mean, that was the whole reason I went from um, when I found out that the DSR had a single electric, I was like, I'm just going to do that. Like I have a better grip on the marker. I'm shooting 10.5 BPS no matter what I'm doing. Like if I'm shooting left-handed, right-handed, whatever. So what does it matter? Why why almost handicap myself in a way of like only having two real fingers on like the frame and then walking it when it really doesn't matter when I can just do right. this and like have a way better. I don't know. It it just makes more sense to me to do the single trigger if it's always going to be ramping. Now, if it's going to transition back into that where I think shooting fast is a skill, not with a cheater board, not like this, but truly shooting fast because you know how to like walk a trigger, which I I wish it would go to semi because I like the unorthodox cadence of people like shooting in semi-auto and and just hearing it. And there's... And I think this is another aspect of why mechanical is so drawing to people is because you have that connection from frame, trigger, barrel, ball. And it's just like you have each one that goes out is like, that's me doing that. Do, 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 do. That's, That's me actually seeing that. When you're, you kind of have to aim with, you know, when you're shooting in semi-auto, when you're shooting mechanical, whereas when you're shooting a lane, left-handed, off-handed, whatever it is, with one finger, and you're really just kind of guiding the marker with the lane because you're shooting 10.5, you know, BPS. Yeah, you're ghost-busting, dude. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. But it's just like there's... The the skill has been lost, and I think there's so much... And I hate to go on fucking tangents like this because sometimes I feel like... It's like, well, you know, you're just old. You're stuck in a generation. But I think there's something that was lost that 
was very valuable that I think was kind of an, an, an oversight because so many people were like, well, everybody was cheating. Everybody was cheating back there. So there's no way that anybody can go back to that without people cheating. Yes, I think that is an issue um, that we're going to have to write, but I think it'll be easier now to regulate than it was back then. And right. and I think there is, there's just something to be able to shoot a marker fast and and to to handicap everybody and i and that's truly what i think it is it's you know when everybody tells me all the time like oh you're so stuck on this you know semi auto thing but i feel like we're really we're letting people we're handicapping people really by by doing ramping all the time at 105 you're not giving you're giving somebody false confidence that they can load and shoot truly you know, left-handed or off-handed or, or whatever it may be. But I just think that we're just kind of losing this lust of being able to control a paintball marker way more than, than what we are now. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's definitely, I don't know. There, there's like a certain, yeah, I agree with, I agree with what you just said. I think there's something missing there for sure. And I also want to just go to play on a Sunday and just rip as much pee as I want and not get looked at <laughs> twice. I want to yeah, like, dude. Okay, blast camp. You guys are practicing. I'll jump in and I'll shoot this SFT shocker twenty-two bips. Like I'm, I'm rusty, so I can do it, you know. So, um, but now it's like, no, you do that, and they're going like, not. Nah, I mean, those guys wouldn't, but it's like, you know, I would feel like I'm gonna get in trouble. You show up to a field and you shoot twenty balls per second. It's like wow. no one's heard wow. that sound in in ten years. You know what I mean? They're gonna be like, mm -hmm. what? And what's crazy is that people don't even know that these guns can do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't, you know, these. I, I think I showed someone, uh, I have a, like a shock tech DM4 thing is my favorite gun I have. And it, I was showing a, there's a video on YouTube of the previous owner shooting it. And he's got a empire reloader B, which was like the sound activated halo. And he's got it on whatever full auto mode on that board. And dude, it's just like, and it sounds so good and it's shooting so perfect. And it's just like, you watch that now and you're like, this gun's from 2004. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> And now we're like any gun is like kind of the same. It's like da, 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 it's just yeah, it's just is what it is, you know. So not that I mean, so it's not that I'm like dumping on anything currently, really, because it's all you know, all all still fun. But um, yeah. I just think there's like there could be something else. Yeah, I mean, it's all amazing the technology, how far it's come. But I think we're like we're putting governors on Ferraris. Yeah, you know. Yeah, seriously, because I mean, these things, the platforms that these things were built upon, were for a reason like the e original ego like people you got that gun because it shot fast like that was one of the things that was like one of its selling points right the 05 ego when it came out people were like dude put a halo on this thing and it's ripping you know what mm -hmm. i mean so um you still had people there was people that chose the gun because of what they thought it how it played into their playing style and i'm not saying people don't do that now but you don't buy a gun now because it's fast or slow you buy it because of whatever reason you buy it because of like you like the way it feels which are still all valid points but mm -hmm. there's a lot of other factors that go out the go out the window you know so dude there's so there's so much satisfaction in clapping somebody up like with three or four balls because they're right behind each other like when you come out and shoot somebody like now you might be able to get one like you'll the second one after the initial one i feel like there's just such a gap yeah, it feels very personal. You're like, dude, that took you like a few seconds to think about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or before it's just like, Rat, and you just hide. You're like, who was that? Yeah. I don't know. Who was that? And it's, it's insane. Like, think even thinking about it, like, you think how many bunkers are on the field now, like, watching and playing the game um, with how many bunkers there are now. And then you're only shooting 10 5. And then back then, there are, there's literally like 
15, 20 bunkers on the field and we're all shooting 15 balls a second or whatever it was, but, but it was still played. But I, what I don't like, what I don't like is like, well, people are like, well, people sucked back then. I was like, that, I, that's not the case. I mean, that was, everybody was at that, the highest level people were playing the highest level people at, at a, at a higher BPS. So it's not like yeah. people sucked. It was just like this, everybody at that level was good. I mean, the, yeah. the top level guys were good. I mean, there were still garbage teams. Just like, I mean, I think everybody's more competitive now because I think a lot more people take it more serious. But you, you, we were still playing the high level guys back then. Yeah. And um, I think people honestly were almost better at certain aspects back then. Like, in, I feel like 2007, 8, 9, I feel like people were, yeah, the guns were faster, but I feel like there's like laning on the break i felt like people were more on point back then there were certain spots that you just didn't really attempt to go to because they were like kind of unmakeable you're like yeah the gun's helping with that but everyone i feel like teams in general back then practice they put in more field time than they do now i think in general i think pro teams did like as far as you know uh, you know infamous we played a ton but i mean we would shoot yeah, you had more people, so you had to kind of factor that in. But there were practices on Avalanche where we'd shoot, like, I mean, just infinitely more paint. You're mm-hmm. like, this is nuts. And, yeah, it's 15 balls a second, and there's, you know, 20 people on the team versus whatever guys. But I feel like there was components of, like, shooting on the break that people were super sharp at back then. But what people weren't super sharp at was, like, that they're super sharp at now. Is Right now when you watch pro paintball, like, people don't really make, like, really stupid moves. Like, they don't just do the whole, like, get up and run down the field because I'm panicked right. kind of shit anymore. You know what I mean? So back in, you know, 2008, people still kind of did that. They were like, oh, man, <laughs> mm-hmm. caught me off guard there. Like, where are you going, buddy? Uh, but now it's like everyone's thought process of how they do it. And it's also like slowed the game down sometimes like to the point where it slowed it down so much. Like, why is it slowed down right now? Like, you don't have anybody looking at you. Yeah. You're like giving them a little too much credit right now on what you could take from them. But I True. get why people are thinking that way, right? Because it's lower scoring games and, you know, uh, mistakes are more costly because that's all, you know all those reasons. But I feel like we've we've given and taken from different components. So when people say people suck back then, you know, yeah, maybe in 2003 when there was no bunkers on the X-ball field, and you see like you're like, how did you ever make it? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Know. I didn't play in XL back then, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I I do know that it was like damn near impossible to make the corners. I remember Brandon Mayo like made a name for himself because he was like one of the only guys that could actually like make it out to a wide spot every once in a while. And you're like, holy crap, yeah. dude, keep him. Um, <laughs> But in the mid 2000s, like people were, everybody was super sharp. I mean, we've played back then and we've played recently. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, I mean, people were sharp back then. It's like, in general, I felt like the whole aura around pro paintball is like people were just, it was, I mean, it was different. It was like the tournament, the feeling was different. And people were sharp. It's like there was no, there was no lacking off, like slacking off, you know. So yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. And, you know, I've, you know, with playing recently, um, I mean, not at Sunshine State, but played, you know, I played the World Cup last year and um, a little bit of Chicago event last year. And dude, paintball, I, you know, I say this all the time, but paintball's paintball, man. It's angles. Yeah. It's, it's, you know taking risks at, at least for me and my playing style obviously i'm always talking about my play style and how I, I approach something and i feel like people some people give credit to guys on the field when they really need to kind of take real estate and and take advantage of like 
I just see a lot more people shooting somebody in and doing that job as a front guy than shooting somebody in, rapping, shooting another guy in, or or checking something off and then moving. And and even like even at this the last field that you know um, down in Sunshine State, it's like there were so many people playing it very very slow, but just just as there were points that were slow, there were also points where guys were running down the Dorito side. And I'm surprised it wasn't faster on that D side because there's really only, there was one or two guys that could stop you. And from certain spots, you could still go tall, wrap, and shoot that guy because you can see him. But so many people were so content, front guys, with going to a spot and then like, I'm alive, I'm here. Great. Yeah. Now we can like I can sit here and just hold in another lane for like five minutes. It's like I don't I I don't know the the game to me and you, you can call it like like it's not I don't know what to call it because I think my play style is more like I like to I like to make the other team's plan change, right? Like I want to I want to make sure that I fuck up as much shit as I can on their plan and get down the field and get close and shoot a couple guys. And have confidence in my team that they're gonna follow me or they're gonna they're gonna finish out the match. My job go yeah. out there, try and stay alive as long as possible, shoot at least one or two guys, you know. And but I feel like there's there's a lot of a mentality being taught, and then also of like, you matter. You matter on the paintball field, which is true. It's true, but it's also X ball. We're not playing seven man. Like you have there, there's time on the clock to be able to go out and like redeem yourself and come back out the next point or whatever. Whereas, you know, the whole seven man thing, it's like, it mattered right then and there, that game, that was it. Um, yeah. Or that point, that one match, but this one, it's like, you have those points, but I feel like just so many people are so worried about making a mistake and not getting shot. And like, I don't want to say like making dumb moves or like staying alive and just sitting there is the smart move. But I just feel like there's, there's not as as much confident play and like gunfighting and bumping down the field in a in an aggressive like manner than yeah. giving somebody like because I feel like for front guys like us I feel like there's you like I love head checking into a not into a lane but like head checking over <laughs> a like I love head checking a lane getting cyclops in the fucking face. But it's like you have you you know where a guy is shooting, like he's usually shooting in the middle of your bunker for the most part, maybe a little bit lower, but mostly kind of in that area of where your main majority of your body would be. But doing something unorthodox, like head checking him up top high, and then like seeing his lane come up or whatever, or head check inside high and then go around on the outside. It's like just little stuff like that. But there's just so many people that are so content on um just not really taking the risk of of moving down the field at all, and it's just kind of, yeah. I don't know. I, I, feel, I sound like such I a think, fucking honestly, old guy. Some of that. So I was like, when you were saying that, I was uh, thinking like of how the field layout sort of dictated that throughout the years, because you had uh, before the wall in X ball. So the wall was what twenty fourteen, maybe twenty something like that. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, so you, before the wall, X ball fields for the most part were very. Uh, like cookie cutter. You had like a God snake insert. You had a feeder to that. You had a back center and you had the same thing on the Dorito side. And mm -hmm. then you had some sort of snake that was generally kind of standard. And you had some sort of Dorito tape that was generally kind of standard. So as a front guy, 
when you go to, you know, some layouts, you can maybe go snake on the break. That's one thing. Or you're going God on the break. You're taking as much real estate as you can. But when you get to that God, you have your guy in the mirror and then maybe the, you know, the corner. And then you have the one insert dude to look at and you have the back center dude. The, the shakeup would be like when a team would go to the insert Dorito bunker and shoot cross. You'd be like, oh, the freaking beast is cross. Mm -hmm. I didn't know or whatever, right? Like that was the complication. So then people got it. I think that catered towards this, like shoot him in, shoot him in, go. Cause you knew that like, once you got in, the angles were just so cut and dry because the field was so simple right. compared to now that like, you knew that when you got in the snake one, two, you just had this guy, this guy. And still like that. I'm not saying like angles have changed, but there right. is something to have that more simple of a layout where everything was a lot more uh, obvious, right? It's like, mm -hmm. man, doing that, you know? So, um, but then you had the wall. And I think what that did was it made players that were used to that, this guy, this guy go, now they're getting like totally punked by the wall because the wall is a bunker that's big enough that you can roll off and just wait in between the god and the snake. Right. The dude tries to go, and there's plenty of space in between that bunker that you're putting balls on them. So then people are like, man, you got to slow down. Because when the wall first came out, there's a reason why Damien had one of the best years ever. And you've got players like Rainey and Nick Laval like having great seasons because people didn't know how to play the wall yet. They were like not respecting it. They were just running, and the guys were getting diced. And then teams started figuring out to go trade with the dude, but leave a dude right behind it to fill it afterwards. Like all this like progressed. Then the wall went away. But I feel like part of that mentality of like it, it, the layouts also got the layouts now, I think, are cool, but they're also like way more complicated than they have ever really been. Right. right. So you have all of these spots that when you're playing might be perceived as like little sneaky spots like, man, there might be a dude in this there's 95 bunkers out here what if there's a guy like camped right there waiting for me to go or something so yeah. you, don't, you don't give them that you give them that benefit of the doubt but like you said it like it goes against you because you could be moving you just you don't know because it's not just look at this guy and this guy it's look at like nine thousand guys and i don't mm -hmm. know he's like what, what he's doing in there or whatever right um so i just think that like i, I think it's changed because of the way that it's because of like because of those reasons i think people's attitudes are changed plus people now in the pro ranks like they go out i think with the mentality of like it's like this it goes through everyone's mind of like this could be a 1-0 game that was never a thought in the past it was like this is going to be an 11 to 8 game or whatever right like it was just not no one went out there in that first point thinking that like like it is possible that you don't make any mistakes because this could be the only point. And you see that now in the finals. The finals are two to one or three to one. Like that's, and it's like it's just so like like you know mistakes are just so much more costly. But it's because people like really take their time to make sure they're not making them. You know what I mean? Which is not a bad thing. I'd rather have that than go make stupid mistakes. But still, right. But know? but I mean, point number one with 15 minutes on the clock, you're you're telling me that you're not gonna like take a chance on something or not, not even take a chance, but just like play paintball, like play paintball in point one. It was like the, I mean, I know there was a couple one Oh games in sunshine, but there was, I think world cup. It was one where it was like, it was X factor versus heat. heat, heat. Yeah. And I'm like, it dude, you're, you're shooting each other from across field. Like, and, and there's 12 minutes left on the clock. Like have enough confidence in the guys that are going to come out after you, or 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 whatever, and enough. Like I don't know. This is just the stuff that kind of rolls through my head. It's like just dude, fucking play paintball. Like you're not playing. You're fucking throwing paint from from each corner. Like I I I guess I just don't I don't get the the whole like. 
I, I, I don't know. I re- I'm really at a fucking loss for words because I feel like going out there and and playing it to where this could be the only point we play and we have to win this to me is like defeating the fucking purpose of having uh, uh playing expo. I, like, right. I, I don't know. It's just like because expo you're sp- it's supposed to be this kind of more aggressive play and then but also like fucking methodical on top of that and and momentum filled because i feel like that was another great thing about x-ball was like you could you could feel the momentum shifts you can like and now like all of that happens in one point because it could only be a one point game i don't know i just like i i just feel like not being too important to die on the on the very first point with 13 minutes on the clock or whatever it is it just kind of just seems and again, coming just from me, my opinion, my position on the field, if you're a front guy and you're still in fucking D2 and there's two minutes left on the clock and it's 0-0, zero, zero, I feel like something is like, you're, you're as a front guy, you're not doing what you're the fuck you're supposed to be doing. Um, right. So I, mean, I that don't know. That trickles down to like new players too because I thought it was, I noticed for a while now you see people that are brand new to the game that their first instinct is to like, you know, go to the bunker and just shoot paint in between this spot and this spot. And there's even current, there's current pro guys that like, you just know they're just like not going to move. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think there's something to being a player that you don't know, you like watch that dude because just because he's there, he could be here. Like you, like you're, you're very aware of that. And there's people you play against. You're like, that dude's crossing that bunker. He's not even going to look at me. You know what I mean? That dude mm-hmm. is in there and he's not coming off of that shot because that's what he's, you know, that's his job. But I think on that job aspect, you know, for me personally, like, I don't know about you, but I didn't play on a team where it was a strategy to go to a spot and shoot in between the spots that they were maybe in and the good spots for like, a long, I didn't do that for a long time. Like, I, and not to say that's still, uh, don't get me wrong, that's like a big part of paintball, but <laughs> waiting for them to make playing, the mistake. If, when I first started playing, I didn't, you didn't, I didn't do that. No one ever, no one taught me that. No one, like, I didn't really see. You know, maybe, you know, yeah, like pro guys, things like that are doing it, but I didn't see mm-hmm. that. But now you see that trickle down and new players just come out and they're not experiencing what paintball like in its most fun form to me. I mean, the most fun form of paintball to me is like when you're in a situation with, you know what I mean? You're like you, you got too close to a guy or whatever it is. And you're like, this is going to be fun, right? I can go, you know, you just you, you can be a lot more creative. It's not like we're 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 field link distance apart. And I shot you because I held the lane for seven pods and you got impatient at six and you tried to go to the next spot. You know what I mean? Like that is, don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong, that there's, like, that'll win you pro Strategy. sometimes to be more disciplined on those, on right. those shots, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of like lame to see a, a, a new person come in and think the way to be good at, you know, whatever division they're playing is to just go there and roll their guns. They're not thinking about, there's more to, there's more to it than that. There's a reason why, there, I guess I'm sort of debunking what we're saying. There used to be a reason to that because you couldn't get there because people were shooting it. Now people are shooting it, and even when they're not, people aren't going because they're like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be the guy. So, um, but I just think like you should be thinking more about how to break down the field from a movement standpoint and from a communication and work together and let's kind of work like fit the pieces together here to to win versus like let's solely win because we're just disciplined on sitting on our guns and shooting in between spots. And you see that in between teams moving up from semi-pro to pro, like you can win. I mean, I'm being very 
broad here, but mm. I feel like you can win semi-pro just by doing that, just by shooting your gun because teams will run through your lanes and they will get shot. But in pro, like what will happen is both teams will try that and they'll shoot nine pods each. And then it becomes that all match long two on two because they don't have any paint and they've already sat there and shot it all. So um, I just kind of, what I'm point I'm trying to make is it's like, it's hard to watch like a new person play when they're just like, they're just sitting there ripping paint in between spots. You're like, it could be more fun than that, dude. But they're staying alive and they're communicating. So there you go. But, but it's all positional, right? It's all, but, but I think on top of that, the cherry on the fucking cake or whatever the hell you want to call it, I think is initiative. Somebody has to take initiative in making advancements down the field and, and making those angles more and more and more, you know, tight on those players. And, you know, you just, you don't see it, but I mean, you do and you don't, it's like a give and take, but there's a lot less, there's a lot less giving because nobody's right. giving anybody anything to fucking shoot. So it's like, God damn it. I guess I'll just fucking sit here and shoot this for however long. But I mean, I think possibly that if we eventually don't like that, but I think, I think people do like it because it makes everybody look so good at staying alive. If you don't move, you just fucking stay alive forever. But I think what what would help that would be like taking it down to four pods for everybody. I think four pods would be great because I think guys would have more of a, an, an incentive to move because they know that the back guys only have four pods or, or whatever it is. And I think introducing something into the game like the Advantage Bunker, which, yes, I'm going to be biased on it because I came up with it. So, yes, I think – but I think that's another way. Like, if we can make another way to, like, score points or to bring some kind of an attention to to it and having an Advantage Bunker where it's like you're, you're, you're giving an incentive for an aggressive move or a player who gets down a field and doesn't necessarily have to shoot everybody, but he gets into this really good spot on the other side of the field – you either have to get shot out of that spot or you have to um or or you have to get shot out of the spot and you have to be alive in that spot for like i don't know what it was 15 20 seconds or whatever it is but now they have to come get you even if they're ahead if they're up by one point or whatever it is they can't just sit and lock the field down because if that if that timer goes down while you're in that advantage bunker and it goes down to zero that's point for us because I got into the advantage bunker and you could and you couldn't dig me out of there. So it's like it's just it gives an incentive to an aggressive player. But then also if you're ahead by one or two points or whatever, you can't just sit back because there is a possibility of somebody getting in to your advantage bunker and scoring a point without having to shoot anybody. So it's yeah. just kind of like I don't I think those would kind of alleviate this looming like boring paintball like don't get me wrong there is some exciting fucking paintball that happens but it doesn't happen until like three minutes left in the match or um you know i and i I don't want to speak for every single fucking point that happens at an nxl tournament i'm just it just going by like the games that i've saw and then i've that i've the game that i've seen and i played in and then also the scores from the yeah. last tournament, it's like it just kind of seems like it's going in that direction, and it might just be for that that particular field, but it just seems like the 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 repetitiveness is becoming more and more present. Right, and you, I mean, 
you do see an effort with the like the themes of the layouts, which I think I think the layouts now are I I mean I've never I've never been a guy to be like, oh that layout sucks or this one's great. Like it's paintball, it's right? Paintball, but yeah. I do think they do make more they do like accentuate more things, right? So these current layouts I think really like accentuate going through the middle and creating chaos just because it's really it's much easier to get to these bunkers. There's not like there's just one good middle bunker. There's like multiple entry points. And then there's gonna there's the other team's gonna be up in those same entry points because they're like juicy real estate for holding people out or being in a position to move up that you have this like these 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 and you have other bunkers to live in that are just right behind the team, right? So you'll like you'll run through, you can get a guy that he's looking the other way, and then you stay alive when you're in their side, right? Because there's so yeah. many bunkers in the middle. So I think that's cool because it creates that chaos that that kind of wins teams points because then it kind of like, oh well, that guy's off lock, and then this guy does something, he gets shot, and yada yada. But that so it makes those points, you know, faster when maybe they wouldn't have been. But I also think there's something to when they started like overloading the middle of the field with the bricks and taller bunkers where you feel like you look downfield and there's lanes to like everywhere. You just they're all blind, right? You're like you pick a spot right. on the brick and you know that that's the corner shot or whatever it is, however you do your lanes. But you know, like the trajectory of the ball will still go in the landing zone of the guy going to the corner. You just can't see it. Mm -hmm. But I think when you can't see the bunkers, I feel like my personal sort of feel on it is that it makes you, you know, um, like the fact that you can't see the guy shooting at you a lot of the times makes you play a little more hesitant than if you could. I think there's yeah. something to be like that guy straight at like that guy in my mirror shooting at me. And then I know when I just had checked that back center that he was just on me. So you feel like a little more confident on what your plan needs to be to get out of there. I need to put this guy mm -hmm. in and put this guy in. But when it's like all blind and yeah, you see the streams coming in, but it's just different. You just see paint everywhere. I think it makes yeah. you play a little more hesitant. So while there's those fun dynamic moves up the middle because everything's blocked off, you also still have the majority of players in the back five that can't see what's going on, and they're just kind of like spraying everywhere. You know what I mean? So um, I think that yeah. kind of makes it a little, a little slower too, you know? so Yeah, it would be nice also to see a lot less of a back center. Like having guys be, you know, off the break, having to fill out instead of being, you know, standing, turning and shooting and not having any real kind of um, anything really coming back unless it's the guy – you know, filling out and shooting back up the middle or, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I would personally like to see less back centers and have those guys run and shoot to their spots. Like some yeah. of us have to do, <laughs> but yeah. it's cool. I mean, paintball, you know, for as, as much shit as, you know, I talk on here and it's not even necessarily that I'm talking shit. I'm just saying like, what, what makes it fun for me? Right. Like that's, we were talking about that. Like what makes paintball fun for you? What makes paintball fun for me is like the challenge of having to work down the field and, and to make it to spot, make it, and you know, to make it to, to your point of having bricks and stuff on the field. And now any like Tom, Dick or Harry can fucking just waddle their way up to the middle of the field and they're in a fucking 50 or whatever it is to me kind of rubs me the wrong way. Cause I, I've always pictured a 50 as like you earned that fucking spot to get up there. Like it was, yeah. you had to like find a route to get up there and you had to run your ass off. But now it's like with these bricks and shit, it's like anybody could just kind of waddle up there. And now there's a guy up there that it's like, dude, and who like, it, and it's not like Billy or somebody, you know, like somebody quick or whatever. It's just like a back guy filled up there from, which right. is great for like back guys to get in the mix. But it's just kind of like, I've always looked at fifties and stuff as like a fucking work hard and work your ass off to get to that spot. And now it's, you know, it is what it is. But 
I mean, I also miss like uh, we were talking about the seven man earlier. There was something about so so many of the seven man fields just had a monster ladder snake. There was a corner that was normally like a can, and you had a dope ladder snake that if you got in and you crawled there in, like it was yeah. payoff time. Like it was just it just won the game, right? So that created pressure on the snake dudes to to make it in there because teams were going on the hot, right? So you had to, you felt like this pressure as a one to be like, well, I need to be fast and make it, right? Because there's value to that. And when I get in there, I better be like right away on my on my ass, like down the wire. Like mm-hmm. if I don't watch this thing, I can't just look inside snake one and like wait because there was this feeling of pressure like everyone's coming down that thing so quick because the real estate is so good that your corner guy also needs to go out there and be like, you cannot give up the tape. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to, there was like value in being a really good snake corner player because you go in there and you're just ripping Pete on the tape and you're doing it till you're blue in the face. Cause like your snake dude's going up, you're winning the game. And then a back center dude, back dude. So it's like, man, I have to lane the snake dude because if our snake dude's not making it and theirs is like, that looks bad on me and they're winning games because they're making it as a snake. So mm-hmm. all those components, I feel like we're a good thing. I feel like it was pressure on everyone to, uh, like reach their like just like strive to be the best they could be that game. It wasn't like just all you gotta do is make the first little insert because they can't come down the snake because it's like that and they can't do that because of this. It's like, dude, they're they're gonna be in the good spots and they're gonna come sh- straight to your side if you don't do yeah. something about it. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I don't know when the last when's the last time there's a snake corner that you actually needed to be in and hold the wire. You know what I mean? It's like sure. you can't even see the wire. You're just there to like load the snake. You know? So um, yeah. Uh, speaking of. Uh back center man i was just thinking about that uh you should put that in the app every time somebody likes a uh, likes a listing you should have a little chime go off that says back center man just like something oh, yeah. like something like that or like something that says paintball like every time you fucking hit a like button or something like that i like that i actually did do some recordings i thought about doing it for an app sound um I did the recordings. I did like the, I did a recording of loading like a a pod into a loader. I was trying to think like, what's the most like, like, like quintessential paintball sound, right? It's like, there's ones that are positive and negative feelings, right? I'm not going to do the sound of like a gun degassing because you're like, ah, I don't like that sound. You know what I mean? It's like, or like, I turned that into an industry, dude. I don't know. I turned it into a business. Um, but you know what I mean? Or like the ball, the, so balls going into a loader just reminds me of Greg Hastings. Cause you had that mm-hmm. sound of like oh, reload, yeah. like, a, you know, so. iconic dude. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely put that in there. That would just put a little bit more. I mean, it's the app is solid already. So tell people what, um, where can they find it and how do they, how do they go about getting it? So, uh, right now it's app only. So it's iOS and Android. So you can go on either, you know, iOS store or Google play and download the app. Um, and then sign up for account and then that's it. You, you list your gear for free. Um, you know, you look at all the stuff you want. You can post gear for, so there's three options as a seller, right? Or I guess essentially four. So you can post it for sale. So how much is this thing? What do you want to sell it for? You can say you accept offers on it and you can say you accept trades on it. So with offers, you can say you could, and you can do only one of any one of those, right? So I could post my dark acts and say offers only. And you can put an offer minimum on it if you feel like you don't want to get low-balled. So if I feel like I really wanted to get like top dollar for this, I could put it on offers only, say minimum offers, and see what comes in. Um, then buyers submit you an offer, and then you accept it, and then they have 48 hours to purchase it at that price, right? And then mm-hmm. for sale, it's just for sale. This is for sale for X amount. People can go in, and as a seller, you get all the benefits of um, – so if I just sign up and I just list this thing, now buyers can purchase it with whatever credit card they want, right? So Amex or Visa or MasterCard. And then they get you get 
financing rolled into what you're doing too. So people can purchase your marker for 0% financing with like a firm or Klarna or Afterpay. Um, and you got that benefit as a seller just by posting it on there. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, so that's sort of the bread and bread and butter of the experience. You can also, so I said four things. So you have those three possibilities, trade, offer, sale, and right now trades. So trades are not live on the app, but they are going to be soon. So the trade service, you can enable your gun for trades, but um, the service will eventually be sending your marker to um, Paintball Vault to validate that it's authentic and then as as described, and then Paintball Vault sends it out to both parties. So um, that'll that's just coming coming soon. Essentially, it wasn't to the point of launching it for for launch because buy you know buying and selling is the is the is the core sort of offering. But trades are a big part of Paintball. Like I you know I was considering not enabling trades at all and just not having trades be a thing, but Trades are important, like trades, people trade paintball gear. So I wanted to enable a safe way to do that too. So, and when I first started playing, like there were stores that did that same sort of service. You send them their stuff Mm -hmm. and they would validate it and send it back out. So I want to offer something similar to that. Um, But you can also do none of the above. And those are like called vault items, right? Um, And it's just things that you're just showing off. Like my, you know, that Oliver Lang jersey, it's a vault piece. I'm not selling it, but I wanted to show people what it is because it's cool history and it's, you know, deserves to be shown. It's cool, right? So um, do all those things. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Ed, congratulations on the release and how popular it's becoming. I think it's awesome. I'm the idea was a necessity for you know kind of where we're at right now with uh, with the economy, with paintball in general. I think it's a great idea. I think it's uh, needed so much um, for such a niche sport that we have to have something that is just that sport is. You know, it's genius, and I and I think it's great, and I can't yeah. wait to continue to use it. And there's been, I appreciate that. And there's also been a lot of questions just about people that have never really used a service like this. They've maybe they've only maybe ever sold on a Facebook group or something like that. But in general, like the selling process is made simple because you, when your item sells, you are given you're just it just prints out a shipping label for you. So you go into your account screen, it says your dark axe sold, and you say print a shipping label, and then you print your shipping label and put it on the box. You don't have to worry about their address. Or anything like that you've already entered in your shipping information ahead of time so the buyer is getting like a true calculated shipping cost of what it costs to ship your thing right so as a seller it's like you know um i think one cool component is like okay i'm selling my gun and then somebody hits me up and they live you know in california and they want to buy it i'm like well it's going to cost you know i, I know i said 500 shipped but that's going to cost you know, $40 a ship versus sending it to St. Louis and it would cost 15. So mm-hmm. as a seller, you can set like, you can set up your shipping however you want. You can have the buyer pay for it at, at, at checkout, which as a seller, I like to enable free shipping just because it looks, I think it looks better to have listings that offer free shipping. So, you know, it's kind of factoring in that cost as a seller. So you can have the buyer pay for it at checkout if you'd like, or you can set a maximum amount that you're willing to cover. So in the case where you know, somebody from across the country might buy it and it might cost more than the person next door. You can set up a, a, you know, a maximum you're willing to cover. So in the case, let's say I cover $25 of shipping and it ends up being 35, then the buyer pays 10 and the seller pays 25 and it's deducted from your earnings afterwards. So all that stuff's just made easy. I mean, you really don't have to, there's not much main, all the manual stuff about gathering their information and getting them on the hook to pay for it and then getting their address to send it and then sending them the tracking number after you do and all that stuff. It's all just made easy. Like the second you print the label, buyer gets the tracking information, done. They can just check it, you know, themselves. They don't need to ask you, hey, where's the tracking? Um, They know when you ship your item. So you're also incentivizing the seller to ship it promptly, right? It's all adjusted into the the reviews and ratings and everything like that. So um, kind of a lot of the kind of black box unknowns of 
prior BSD or sort of, you know, that's really what it's geared to do is just make it easier, safer, safe, safety too. It's like, if, if I buy, you buy my gun and I don't send it, well, the only way you send stuff on paintball vault is through the provided shipping label. So there was no label created. And so you get your money back plain and simple. So mm -hmm. there is, you know, there's if, if in the case where a seller might list something and they forgot they bid or whatever it may be and they sell it and then they never respond or something like, you know, whatever it is, you get your money back. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, you know, they have all that kind of security too. So, um, which is to me, it's like that, that peace of mind is, is invaluable. Cause it's like, I, I don't want to deal with any of that. I just want to buy and sell paintball stuff and not worry about any, anything else, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. And all those are great incentives on to, you know, on using your platform. And I think people will catch on and I think it's just going to continue to grow for you. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, uh, get me back in the game. Get my tennis real. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. Uh, you had me on. This is fun. Good catching up. Absolutely, dude. I can't wait to see you in person. Hopefully that happens sometime this year. I got Maybe. this on my desk, by the way. Ooh, dude, that looks nice. That's the first thing, uh, that I, seen the paintball vault logo on and i've got the little keychain hanging there i've got a i got this old boy and i got the keychain hanging off of it nice dude yep. hell yeah well thank you so much whole, and, uh, my whole office is just racked in old paintball stuff and just nerd out in here all day <laughs> and dude and that you know this this shows and it's so cool to see people um you know gather all this passion and everything that they put into the sport and and release it into something back into the into the game and uh to have something like you know like paintball vault come through and and make an impact like i know it's going to i think is is huge and you should definitely be proud man thanks i appreciate it absolutely drew you're awesome dude i can't wait to see you i love you man and um i hope your family's doing well and keep in touch brother we'll talk to you soon all right sounds good see you bud see ya Drew, thank you so much for hanging out with me and uh, and chit-chatting about the good old days and then also the current environment as well as your amazing Paintball Vault app that is currently up and running. Uh, check it out. Download it. Use it. It's nice. It's fancy. It's just what we need uh, right now for the marketplace of Paintball because there's, there's so much stuff out there that people have just sitting in the basement, sitting in the corner of their room that they don't know what to do with, that they've been really kind of hesitating on posting anything because it's such, such a pain in the ass to do. But now Paintball Vault helps out with that. So make sure you check it out. Thank you again, Drew. It was a pleasure. Again, we are sponsored by H2K Paintball. You can find the tank tool at h2kpaintball.com. You can get custom engraved ones, blank stock ones, or the CM Pro Series right now. Uh, we, we have in the mix soft goods coming in. We have shirts, we have beanies, we have a few different things. So uh, if you like to rep some stuff, we have it coming in. Um, thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you guys again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.